0: How y'all doing? That's good. That's good. A little better than me, it sounds like. I sound like a prepubescent teenager. Yes, I do. I know I do. That's okay. That's all right. <coughs> i 'm a little under the weather if you if you can 't tell and uh, but uh, but I believe that uh, today 's a good day because the Lord has made it and and and, uh, and I tell you what I was sick and and i 've had a fever all weekend and um, and so normally I hang out afterwards in the lobby and shake hands and stuff but but you don 't want what I have so so I probably won 't be out there today but um, but I just want to say I, I actually believe that God had a word for today and i I, I felt like I really need to share what I had to share today for you, and so, um, so I'm here despite, despite, despite being sick, but before we get into the message, I got a couple of things that we got we to have a little announcement time, and so the first thing is this, is we have love and laughter coming up, the, where are all my ladies at? Yes, ladies in the house, there's like five of you here, the rest of you are like, I don't know, I'm not woohooing for nothing. That's all right. Listen, it's going to be a fun time, I hear. The word on the street is that the women's event is on fire. Uh, yeah, it is. That's right. The women's event is on fire. I haven't been there. I'm not allowed to go, but, but that is the word on the street. If you're a lady, you've got to be there. Um, and then uh, the second of this is this is small groups. Um, there are, the small group sign-up season is happening right now. If you haven't signed up for a group, you've got to do it. In fact, I think this week is the last week to sign up, so you can do it. Um, in the little connect here room. On your way out, there's uh, people there want to help you get signed up. And then, um, uh, and if you haven't, uh, uh, anyhow, there's also on the website too. You can click through and sign up on the website as well to join a group. There's all kinds of groups. In fact, I want to call a couple of group leaders up: uh, Jason and Ann Childers, and and, and Daryl and Robin McClure. Why don't you come on, come on up? I want to I want to ask you, ask you guys a couple. They're small group leaders. And why don't you guys give them a hand for coming on up here? i you know, being in front of people is always awkward and have a seat at the table. We got a table, guys. Let's have a seat at the table. Yeah, grab a seat and uh and I'm going to sit on the end, but you guys can sit over here in the middle and You get snacks. You get snacks. Yeah, I think snacks sounds like a good thing. Yeah, so <coughs> Yeah, so um you got to flip a switch. I'm sorry. those things are turned off right now. You see that? Look at that little lights. There we go. All right. So, I got I got to ask so Jason and Ann, um and, and you're, you're Daryl and where's your wife? She's in uh... She's in Oregon with her mom oh. in the hospital. Oh, okay. All right. Taking care of family. That's, that's good. That's good. So, 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 so Jason and I got to ask, what is your group called?
1: Our group is called the Art of Marriage. What's it about? It is a marriage ministry. Um, it's, it is a six-week video and workbook curriculum, but with the 12-week semester, we're going to be doing fellowship in between and discussing all of the content of the videos. So it's gonna be structured, but with a little flair.
0: With a little party in the middle? That's awesome, that's awesome. So um, one, one big thing we wanna drive home to for you guys is that if you're, if you're interested and you're thinking, like, I don't know if I wanna join this thing, uh, the one thing we wanna encourage you is that this isn't about like the struggling marriage. Like This isn't come and bury your soul because this is the last chance we ever have to save our marriage Cup of class. Um, if you have things, guess what, we all have things. Um, but this is like a mentoring. This is a fellowship. This is kind of a group that you can get tied to, be able to go over a curriculum, so it kind of keeps us on the path. But the point of this thing is, is mostly just to be able to fellowship, connect, to be able to get wisdom from each
1: other. Because just because Ann and I are leading this thing doesn't mean that we're gonna, um, you know, be closed off and not be able to learn something from you. This is gonna be uh, a blessing for all of us involved. Um, so if it
2: doesn't matter where you are in your marriage, or even if you're, you know, getting ready to get married. Um, This might be something you want to consider doing, and we'd love to have you.
0: Awesome. Awesome. So, Daryl, tell me, who are you and what's your your group called Uh, and
2: what's it about? Robin and I are starting a ministry called Extra Marriage for Extraordinary Marriage. Um, Starting uh, some stuff that is actually a a pretty large uh, ministry that we're developing. We're actually writing curriculum for marriages uh, for small groups and churches. And this is actually, this group is kind of a launch of that to develop the curriculum and develop some, some resources. Um, again, it's the, same, it's the same idea that uh, it's, it's not about, um, man, we're ready for divorce. It, it's over. Uh, Last-ditch effort. It's, it's really about helping couples um, move from ordinary to extraordinary, uh, leave a legacy and, and uh, impact their world through their marriage. Um, it's, you know, wherever you're at on that spectrum, because you might be also that person that says, yeah, uh, we are struggling and we are at that place. Um, It's for you too. Um, We all have those issues. We all have uh, needs in our, in our relationships. And, you know, we invest tons of time, uh, effort and energy in our health, our physical health, but sometimes our spiritual and our relational health is lacking and uh, we don't invest in the development of that. So that's kind of what this is about.
0: Awesome. So Jason, I got a question for you guys. Um, why? why? Why did you want to start this group?
1: So Jason and I have been doing marriage ministry for six years now. Um, we decided to do it formally and officially here at City Church after doing it abroad. Um, we started marriage ministry because the world tells us happily ever after, Right. And for those of us who are married, we know that's not true. Um, and for the world to tell us, for the world to tell us happily ever after, we realize that Jesus tells us saved and forgiven forever after. Right. So, um, seeing the leap between what the world is telling us versus what God is showing us in our marriage, with the struggles and the development that we've experienced in our own. Um, I think God has put us through grave trials that have really tested our relationship, not just with each other, but with our faith. And it brought us to this point where um, we realized it wasn't about us. It wasn't about our relationship. It was about our relationship with God and what that looks like and how we're able to glorify him in our marriage. To a watching world where more than half people, Christian or otherwise, believers or otherwise, are divorced, um, we wanted to be able to see that difference and we wanted to understand that to a watching world we're the example of God being married to his church so with our marriage glorifying God that's what we wanted our ministry to be about those struggles that we're experiencing those struggles that we're experiencing um, we wanted to understand that God is using that to glorify him because he's the one who brought us through it if it wasn't for our trials, we wouldn't been able to share um, that with with other couples because obviously these issues in marriages aren't. It's not brand new to anybody, right? There's a pattern. You see things that the world tells you, and then you have to come back to the truth and you have to see what the Bible says about what is it that marriage is supposed to consist of.
0: Yeah, that's great. So, so I'll ask you the same thing. Why did you and
2: Robin uh, decide to start this group or the, this um, thing? We started looking at uh, the reality in our culture of how our culture impacts relationships and how, uh, you know, the the statistics there, you know, it depends on who you read, but 50% of first marriages, 70% of second and 80% of third marriages end in divorce. And our current methodologies are not really driving that down anywhere. And so when we started looking at what's happening in our, in our culture and, the effectiveness or ineffectiveness of traditional methodologies. Um, we say we've got to do something, um, and it's, it's our call to make a difference. So we've embarked on uh, a mission to lower the divorce rate one extraordinary marriage at a time.
0: That's awesome. That's great. Guys, give it up for these guys for coming up here and sharing. And, and I just got to tell you that, that um, you know, we have a lot of small groups to choose from. This is just a couple of them. And you see the passion in these guys. You see the passion in them leading these groups and kind of the ministry and the calling that they have. And so I just want to encourage you, if you have not signed up for a small group, sign up for a small group. You, you get connected with amazing people inside of our church who are who are helping make a difference. You know, it's funny. Um, a few years ago, I, I was counseling a couple. And they're about five years into marriage. And, and, and they're having some struggles in their marriage at the time. And I remember sitting down with the husband one-on-one. And I said, so... What have you done to invest in your marriage over the last five years? And, and, uh, and he kind of said, I don't, I'm not really sure. And I said, Have you done any conferences? You read any books together? Done anything? No, nothing. So let me get this straight. You've been married for five years, you haven't done anything to invest in your marriage, and now your marriage sucks. And he was like, Yeah, pretty much. So listen, here's what I want to tell you is this, is that if, if you have no problem, you and I have no problem, you see it all the time, we have no problem investing into our career, right? And, and so we'll go over time, we'll work extra hard to try to advance our career because we know the efforts we put in today might mean extra advancements or career opportunities in the future. I just want to encourage you, if you're married, invest in your marriage. Sign up for a marriage group, get involved, um, start, start doing that kind of a thing. If you're thinking about getting married, hey, you should join one of these groups. It'll kind of give you a little bit of an insight of what that path looks like and how to have a healthy marriage. And so um, anyhow, I just want to highlight those two groups. It's the last week for signups on small groups. Get signed up for one of these groups that we have. We have a, a bunch of awesome ones that are that are going right now. All right, all right. You guys are kind of quiet this morning. I notice it's Labor Day. You guys are kind of quiet, kind of relaxed. It's all right, it's good, it's good. So, so guys, we're in this series called That is series that's called 2020 Vision, and we're talking about who our church is and where we're going and and what we are going to be about. We're going to be about, and this is this is who we are, and this is where we are going. Is this is that we're going to be a church of all ages, and we're going to be reaching the next generation, which means we need everyone that's that's here of all ages to be able to reach into the next generation. If we are not actively reaching into the next generation, the church will die with you. It'll die with me. Right? We have to always be looking that way. And so we are going to be a church that is intentionally looking towards the next generation to be able to reach those who are far from Christ to try to get them connected to who Jesus is because there is life in who Jesus is. And so our church, we are intentionally making the move to go in that direction. And so what we did is we said, all right, so the church is like a table. This illustration, the church is like a table. And, and we have these three chairs that are sitting around, around the table. We have, and we've said that the first chair... Chair one is the chair of somebody who is, who is not a believer in Jesus. The chair one is a person who is far from God. <coughs> Again, Sorry about my voice. I do sound like a teenager, don't I? <laughs> That's all right. All right. If you, if you amen me or cheer me on, then, then this will go better for all of us. <laughs> That's you. All right, there we go. So, so chair one is a person who is far from God. This is the person who doesn't know Jesus as their Lord and Savior, the person who is investigating their faith. Chair number two is a person who is a new believer, someone who has recently given their life to Christ, and they're growing in their faith, they're growing in who they are. And chair number three is, is a mature believer. <coughs> mature believer. i got to tell you, that mature believers is, is someone who's been saved for a while. They, they've been following Christ. They've been, they've been growing in their faith for several years. And, and I have to tell you that, that we have these different chairs up here, and in our church we need to have all three different people in our church. So I I say this boldly and say that I know that there are people here this morning that are chair number one people. You are here this morning, and and I'm not talking about you like you're not in the room because I believe that there are people here this morning in our our midst who are chair one people. You're coming to church, you're hanging out, you're kicking the tires, you're kind of sniffing it out and seeing what's going on here. And um, you're welcome here. I want you to know that. You're welcome here. I'm glad that you're here. You know, Jesus made this pattern where he said people can belong before that they believe. And then after they belong and then they believe, God starts to do something miraculous on the inside of you, and he starts to change you, starts to to adjust the things in your heart. When the holes of your heart start to get filled by the presence of God, your behavior actually starts to change. Things start to change on the outside. Here's what happens is sometimes we start to look at people as humans. We will look at other people and we'll say, well, gee, their behavior's bad, so I don't want them to belong with me. But that's not the model that Jesus had. Jesus went to where the people were, and, and when people rejected others based on their behavior, Jesus went into the scene, and he sat with the people who were rejected. You can see it over and over and over again all through the New Testament. He sat with people who were rejected, and he said, no, 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 no. I'm here with you. You belong. And then people started to believe. And then once they believed, he said, now go and sin no more. And their behavior would start to change. Listen, if, if you're here today and you're in chair number one, I want you to be here. In fact, you can belong here. You can get involved here. You can be, you can be part of this church, even though you may not yet know if you believe. Now, now let's let's be real. I can't have you teaching something you don't believe, right? Like, that, if you're chair number one, I can't have you teaching kids about Jesus if you don't even know if you believe in Jesus, right? Like, that, that wouldn't be a fair requirement at all. But you know what? There's a lot of places around here that even if you're not a Christian, you can be involved around here. You can, you can belong around here. You know what I mean? Like, you can make a mean pot of coffee. Right? Like, like, there's nothing about Christianity and making coffee, although I do think Jesus ordained coffee. I think that that would have been like, amen, right? Got to get an amen in the house, right? Got to have some good coffee in church, right? So, but you know what I mean? Like, there's things, if even if you're not even a believer in Jesus, you can be part of this community because I believe that there's a spot at the table for you. Right? There's a spot at the table for you. And, and, so, <clears throat> and so I want you to be able to, be, to belong. I want you to be able to, to be part of it. Oh, yeah. Hey, thanks. Thanks. I appreciate that. Yeah, I don't know if this will help me or not, but we're going to find out. There's a spot at the table for you. There's a spot at the table for this water bottle. Oh, I splashed a little. Hey, that did help a little, didn't it? So you can, if you're far from God, you belong here. You you can you can belong in the midst. And I know that when when you belong and you start to be exposed to who Jesus is. That, that I just know this, that over time, you will either be changed by Jesus or you will reject him and walk away. There's really only those two options. But I want you to know that you're, that you're not going to be rejected by us. Amen? Like you're not going to be rejected by us. Everybody here who's, who's a chair two and a chair three people, I want you to understand that, that don't look at somebody's situation and, 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 and their circumstances and reject them. That isn't what the Bible says at all. That's what, that's what the world says to do, but that's not what we're going to do. We're a church that, that's going to not look past their, we're going to look past their situation, look past their circumstance. We're going to see their soul and see who they are that God's created them to be. We're going to welcome them in with, with, with wide open arms so that they can, be, they can be part of this church. I'm telling you, I think every healthy church should have a third of the people in the building should be people who are far from God. There should be people who are far from God. And I can tell you right now that we don't have that. We don't have a third of the people in the building who are far from God. Which means that we got to start bringing people who are far from God into the building three amens let me do that again let me run that by we gotta be we gotta bring people who are far from God into the building there we go all right now we're rolling right so we've got to have people who are far from God being exposed to the people of God being exposed to the message of Jesus now I I gotta say that maybe you're exposing people to the message of Jesus in in your workplace and, and everywhere else and that's fantastic but I'm telling you that that Church is not about, I mean, being a Christian is not about me and Jesus. It's a community event being plugged into a church. We've got to have people who are far from God being brought into the house of God so that they can experience his presence, right? We've got to be able to do that. And then that leads me over to this, is that once somebody accepts who Jesus is and they say, yeah, I'm going to make Jesus the Lord of my life, (coughs) they come over here to chair number two. Chair number two is, is is an amazing place to be. You see... Here's what we do is that here at the church, we, we serve what we call the bread of life. And Jesus said he was the bread of life. And we, we teach and we, 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 we talk through the Bible and we, we try to teach people about the ways of Jesus, right? In fact, John 6, 35, Jesus said this. He says, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. Whoever believes in me shall never thirst. The world is hungry. The world is hungry. They're looking for something. The world is hungry. And guys, we found the bread of life, right? We found the bread of life. And when you eat the bread of life, you find something just, that, that is just absolutely incredible and fulfilling. Because the thing that's inside of you that's searching, you find the thing that satisfies it. The end of the line is this, is you and I, are all, we're all beggars. We just happen to find where the food was at, right? We're all beggars. We happen to find where the food is at. And, and we should be pointing other people to where the food is at to Jesus, who is the bread of life. And, and the amazing thing is, is when, when, you, when, when someone comes from chair one to chair two, here's what happens is, is in chair one, they're, they're investigating, they're filling this out. And in chair one, there, there's a moment of decision that everybody that's in chair one has to make. Everyone in chair one has to make. They have to make this decision. Am I gonna make Jesus the Lord of my life or am I not? There's a line in the sand. There's, there's, a, there's, a, there's a, a hurdle that they have to jump. There's a line they have to cross. And I'm telling you that, that you and I can't make people cross that line. We can't. We can present the food. We can present it in a palatable way. We can explain who Jesus is. And, and we, can, we can do our best effort to, to say this is who Jesus is. This is why he, he existed. This is why he died on the cross for your sins. Like This is, this is why you need Jesus. This is why we can connect to God. And, and you can present it in the best way possible. You know when you go to a fancy restaurant? The, the presentation of the food is impressive, isn't it? Have you noticed that the volume of the food goes down with the, the higher the quality of the restaurant? And the prices go up too, I would say. But if you noticed, you get there and, and it's like you order the steak and, and they bring it out to your plate and you're like, is this the appetizer? Because um, this isn't going to fill me up. But it's beautiful, isn't it? It's like this little piece of meat on top of a bed of something, and then there's like a drizzle that goes back and forth in this fancy pattern of some sort of sauce, and you're like, wow, I'm going to Instagram this right now because it looks beautiful before I dive into it. It looks beautiful, but the portions are small. And, but but you, know, you start to look at this, and listen, the presentation of the gospel matters. You know, in a presentation of the gospel, we're going to look into that in Scripture in a second, but the presentation of the gospel matters. You've got to present it in a way that people can understand it. You've got to be able to, to, to do that, right? And so from, from, from step number one, from chair number one to chair number two, there's a line in the sand and you've got to make this decision. And if you're chair number one today, I, I'll make that opportunity for you today at the end of the service to make this move. And so you make this move from chair one to chair two. And when you get to chair two, here's the thing is you you've now found the thing that, that, that is now satisfying the hunger that, that you were born with. And so you find yourself sitting here with, with your fork and your knife, and you start eating of the bread of life. You start eating of the things that, that God has put. And so you start to satisfy your hunger, and you start to fill yourself up. You know, what, <clears throat> for a new believer, it's like every weekend. It's like Sunday. It's like, man, I just got to eat this up. This is so good. And, and you start to, to read your Bible, and you start to, to study. I, I want to tell you that if you are a new believer... One of the biggest steps you can take is to join a small group. and I know that sounds a little crazy. Listen, all we do here, let, let's break this down. All we do here is we have our weekend service, maybe services soon because we're growing, but weekend service and we have small groups. That's what we do. I mean, the, the Bible talked about the believers and the fellowship of the believers, and they, they, met in their, they met in the temple, and then they met house to house. They met in church, and then they went house to house. They had the big gatherings, and then they had the small gatherings. And then that's really the basics of, of, of what Scripture says. So if you're a new believer, and you're moving from chair one to chair two, and you think Sunday's good, you should check out the small groups. Those things are even better than what we do on Sunday. And so you start to, to follow Christ and you think, man, Sunday's great. I'm eating this up. I'm loving what the word has to say and it's feeding my soul in this, this new way. When you join a small group, now you found other believers around you that start to encourage you in your faith. Oh my gosh. Show me your friends, I'll show you your future. You start to, to gather yourself around other believers who are like-minded, who are, who are pursuing God, who are living in a, in a healthy, wholesome way. And I'm telling you, your life will get put on a new track when you start to join up in a small group. And so you, you go from, new belie- from, new, from a, a non-believer to a new believer. <coughs> after, after a while, you, you grow in your faith, and, and then you make the switch over to a mature believer. Now I gotta say I think that when you go from a non-believer to a believer, there's every once in a while somebody wants to huddle the line or or hurdle the line. You know what I'm talking about? Like, like they 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 want to scoot the chair over, and 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 sometimes we can we can say, listen, I'm gonna be you know I'm giving my life to Christ. But then on Monday, I felt like I kind of slipped over this way. But on Wednesday, you know, okay, I'm back over again. I'm following Jesus. And then on Friday night comes, and I'm all the way over here. And then, and then, and then Sunday morning, I'm like, oh, gosh, get back over here again. And, 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 and when you first give your life to Christ, the temptation of the world pulls you. It pulls you back. And, 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 your, and your behaviors want to stay here, but your, your heart is staying here. And, and I want to tell you that when you get gathered around people who are believers, they will help you stay in the place where you know that your soul is going to be fed. They'll help you you get to this place where you know it's the the right right place, (coughs) the right right move for you. So then there's another one here where you're going from chair two to chair three. Sometimes we get stuck in the middle there too, don't we? Have Have you ever been there? Chair two is pretty good because now you're just consuming. Right? You're just consuming. You're coming on Sunday, you're loving it. You're getting fed, your soul's getting fed. You're getting filled up on Sunday to go attack the world on Monday. And you're doing pretty good. Here's the thing. Somebody's making the food. Somebody's setting the table. Somebody's doing, setting up the environment. People together, you and I, church, you and I together, the mature believers in the room understand this, that, but what we're doing is contributing towards chair number two and chair number one. You know, the, the stats are, is that 80% of the bill is paid by 20% of the people. And that means time, talent, and, and treasure, right? You, the, the investment, it's, it's, it, it takes time, it takes talent, skill, it takes money, it takes all those things to be able to run a church, to be able to help reach people who are far from God, to, enter, to get them into a life-giving relationship with Jesus, right? And, and so what happens is, is, when you go from chair two to chair three, there's a mentality shift that happens. You see, when you go from chair one to chair two, it's all about, you know what? I know that I need to do this because God's wired me this way. And, and I, I need this to eat the bread of life because you start to well, what happens is you start to fill up on the bread of life and you start to realize that as you are getting full, you are getting healed. You are getting set free from things. You are finding freedom. You are finding all these things happening in your life. And you start to see God doing some good things in your life. And then what happens is this, is that somewhere along the line you realize somebody else is actually making this happen. And in chair number two, you're just consuming. And you need that in the beginning. I'm not saying you don't. But somewhere along the line, you have to move from two to three. And when you move from two to three, the biggest difference that happens is you realize that your role in the kingdom of God is not just about you. Your role in the kingdom of God is not just about you. God has put you in this world, in this place. You're sitting here today because God has, has, has a purpose for your life. And, it, and it's not just about consuming, it's about contributing. God has put you in this house for a reason. Because guess what? This house is starting to reach new people, and we're going to start to reach more and more people, you know. And so this this is what we're doing. And so you're moving from chair two to chair three. And there's times we try to huddle, we try to hurdle these things, right? I'm kind of halfway on chair two and halfway on chair three, and you know, I mean, uh, here and, and, and we, some days I'm feeling like I'm 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 working over here, and some days I feel like I'm working over here. And and listen, here's what I found out is that when 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 you are filling yourself up. you have to find an outlet to pour it back out again. When you're filling up, you have to find an outlet to pour it back out again. It's called diet and exercise. In our physical bodies, we understand this, right? Diet and exercise, calories in, calories out. You, if you're eating more, if you're, more calories are going in than your body is burning out, your weight will start to go up in unhealthy ways. If you have too few calories going in and more calories going out, your body will go into another bad space where now your, your, your body will start to atrophy and you'll get really really skinny in, in an unhealthy way, right? It's calories in, calories out. Now, now, I don't say that to pick on anybody's weight or size, but that's, that's the basics of it, right? And, and so with our physical bodies, but with our spiritual bodies, it's the same way. Calories in versus calories out. It's, it's food in versus food out. Here, here's, here's what the example is, and this is what I'm really trying to say is this, is, is, is that we as Christians, if you've been a believer for a long time, most Christians are spiritually obese. They've consumed way more than they're putting out. No amens on that one. But we are spiritually obese. We sit in church, we consume we go to a small group, we consume. We, 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 we study the scriptures at home, we consume. We, we consume, we consume, we consume. Got the diet part down, we got to work on the exercise. We got to work on the going and the going out. We got to work on the reaching and the application. We've got to work on this. I mean, the, 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 the principal scripture we've been using all along through here is, is the Great Commission. In Matthew 28, where Jesus says, go, make disciples of all men baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. We've been neglecting the go in our culture. And it's time for us to start the exercise. It's time for us to start the going. It's time for us to start the inviting. It's time for us to start reaching those who are around us. God hasn't put those around you on accident. They're there on purpose. They are. And God has put you and them in the same proximity so that you might be someone to reach them for Jesus. And, that's, and, and that it's not by accident. Here's my hope. My hope is that everyone would grow in this pattern over to the place of a mature believer. Where they understand that their life is not their own. Where they understand that what God is calling them to do is to help reach back into chair two and to chair one. And to focus on those who are far from God. That's my hope. That every one of us would grow in this path. Here's the thing about spiritual maturity versus physical maturity. Spiritual maturity can happen faster or slower than your physical age. It just can't. You can go from chair one to chair two in an instant. And you can go from chair two to chair three in a very short amount of time. I've met people who have lived most of their life in chair two. And they never quite make it all the way over to chair three. And I've met people who are young people in their early 20s who have made it all the way around to chair three and have no problem investing in, in the next generation, investing in those around them and, and investing in, in others. I, I've, I've seen it. It doesn't matter your age. I've seen 70-year-olds stuck in chair two, and I've seen 20-year-olds rock in chair three. It isn't about your physical age. It's about your spiritual maturity. So my hope is that everyone here, whether whether you're here in person or or you're watching online right now because we're live streaming and and, and no matter what you're doing, my hope is that you would mature in your faith. You would mature in your faith. If you have your Bible this morning, (coughs) you can open up to Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13. And we're gonna be verses three through nine. And then later on, 19 through 20-something. But Matthew chapter 13, and, and I've got some of this up on the screen for you. And in Matthew chapter 13, verse 3, it says this, and he told them many things in parables. Jesus is he. He's telling people. Jesus is speaking. He says, a sower went out to sow. Okay, sowing is planting. This was an agro let me Just pause right here. Uh, if you're not familiar, the Bible was written in a very agricultural time and agricultural Culture and so um, sowing was planting the seeds and it wasn't sowing like garments or something. So a sower went out to sow and as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground where they did not have much soil and immediately they sprang up since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched and since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. And the disciples immediately are like, Bro, you gotta explain this. I don't even know what you're talking about. You're talking about seeds on the ground, and like, why don't why don't you explain it? And there's a discourse that happens where they're You know, Jesus is talking with his disciples about why he's sharing in parables. And and so if you fast forward through um, up to verse about 19, um, you start to see what happens. And and so here's the deal is that there are three obstacles to spiritual growth. In order for you to move from chair one to chair two and chair two to chair three, there's three obstacles that you're going to face in spiritual growth. And the first one is this is hardened soil hardened soil. You're going to face hardened soil. When Jesus goes to explain that section, Jesus says this in verse 19, when anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. Listen, the first problem is your condition of your heart. That's the first problem. The second problem is that the enemy wants to steal what's been sowed there, what's been been laid there. So the first condition is is the condition of your heart and it says it says in there it says when anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it the evil one comes and snatches away what has been so, if hears a word and does not understand it there there was a a movement in the church and, and it is still alive and well today and um and there's there's a movement and a, and a counter anti movement and the movement was called seeker sensitive and and so the movement of the seeker sensitive church took this idea that um that we should make it um, uh, basically they, they said, well, they, if they don't understand it. So they started taking things and making it simpler and simpler and simpler to understand. And, and, and it's gotten, and I'm, I'm going to tell you that some churches took that idea and, and went and went too far out on one direction of it. And, and, and they did. And, and, and so then what happened is a bunch of people said, well, we don't want to be like that. So they, they, they said, we're, we're going to go the opposite direction. And they went too far out in the other direction too. Right? And and so this is what happens all the time. Every movement that happens, there's always extremes that start to push in either directions. Look in any group. Look in any—you can look at anywhere, and you'll see that uh, that, that they start to push one way or the other, and they start to go out to the extremes. And so I'm going to highlight the extremes so that you can understand that we don't want to go to either of those places. We want to stay in the middle because I think that's where the health is in a local church. You see the highlight of the, of the, if you go too far out on the on the seeker sensitive side of, of things is what the movement was called, and I love the name of it actually because if those who are seeking to, to understand God, we should be sensitive to them and, and help them understand i mean that principally makes sense right um but what happened is now now you can go to a church and you can go to a church and they'll play two songs one will be a rock song off the radio secular music followed up by a, a, another christian rock song the, the congregation will stand there nobody will sing um they'll clap between the songs they'll sit down the pastor will get up and and he'll preach a sermon for you know 45 minutes to an hour lots of motivational quotes and 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 funny jokes uh, not unlike me in some ways, right? Like I tell lots of stupid jokes. Not today, but but you know, still, you know, it just happens, right? People laugh, they smile, they walk away, they feel good. What happens in the extremist side of this is, is that they end up watering it down to the place where the seed itself is diluted to where they're not using enough scripture in, and they're not teaching Bible. They're actually teaching very light-hearted principles of, of scripture, right? Well, listen, you got to have the seed, it, right? It says the word. It says right in there that the the word um, of the kingdom does not understand it. So, so you got to have the word. You got to have the scripture. You got to have what the Bible says. But you got to do it in a way that somebody understands it. And so, people will reject that idea, and they'll go to the other side of that spectrum. And, and there's churches in town that go to both ends. And and, and I and I believe that they are good hearted in their motives, right? But if you go to the other side of that thing, you can find a, a church in town that'll sing an hour, an hour, and ten minutes of worship songs. And and and, and, and it's fantastic. And then they got 15 minutes of, of announcements and stuff, and the pastor will preach an hour, hour and a half. You have a two and a half to three hour church service. And, and and people are loving it, the ones that are there, right? But but I'm telling you, if 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 you if you stretch out too far on one side and too far on the other side, you're missing the point of what what Jesus is saying here is you gotta teach the word. It's gotta be understandable. It's gotta be something that people can comprehend and understand. Because if they can't understand it, then the, the enemy's just gonna snatch it out. Right? You gotta actually have the word and you gotta actually do it in a way that people can understand it so that they can they can process it and they can they can have it planted into their into their soul. Here's what I know. <coughs> this is um here's what I know about people who aren't sure about Jesus yet. Haven't been to church, or maybe they've never been to church. There's a few things that they're expecting when they show up to church. They call it a house of worship. I haven't noticed that. They're not sure whether they'll call it a church or a temple or a mosque or whatever. They just, now they just categorize it culturally, they, they call it just a house of, of worship. So they actually expect someone who's far from God shows up to church, never been to church before, they would expect people to be singing songs about the person that they're worshiping, right? Like, like if someone's far from God, they're expecting us to sing songs about this creator, about the God of the universe. The God we worship, right? The, 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 the one true God is who, you know, they would expect us to sing songs about that. In fact, that's why we do, we actually filter our songs. I don't know if you know this, Dan, Daniel Newman's in charge of our worship department, and, and our entire worship department is just phenomenal. And, um, and, and there's a couple of things they filter when they, when they look at the Number one, they say, does this song glorify God? There's some songs out there that are just me ship, right? They're like, I feel this way and I feel that way. And God is good, so now I feel this way and I feel that way. Well, we don't really sing a lot of those songs. We actually sing songs that say we're going to praise the, the goodness of God. So we actually filter on purpose that, that, that we're going to actually sing songs that glorify God and praise him and, and who he is. And then the second one is that we also filter it based on, um, is this understandable for someone who might be far from God? Because there's some worship songs out there that, that are that are good worship songs, but they're so theologically thick sometimes that that it's like, boy, you you, you don't, I don't even know what I'm singing, right? Like it's you start to get into these. You guys have heard them, right? And it's like we, we filter it and say, okay, is it praising God? Is it something that is using language that everybody can understand, right? You now, now don't get me wrong. We have worship music that has this, the word hallelujah in it, right? And and people in the world aren't saying the word hallelujah, right? Like. Hallelujah, brother! That's such a weird Christian thing to say, and but but out in the world they don't. But we'll sing songs that have the word Hallelujah in it. Don't get me wrong, but but we'll we, we want to make sure that in general it makes sense that we are singing words that are praising God. So we worship God, and they, they expect that. Someone who's far from God walking into church, guess what else they would expect? They would expect prayer. Well, churches pray, right? We pray. No, we don't do this every week, but it's 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 once maybe twice a month. We'll have hands-on prayer in our service where you can come forward and receive prayer in the middle of our service you know like if if you're if you're not if you're not a believer if you're far from God the idea is like maybe it's weird right maybe you don't quite understand it but you would expect that churches pray for people right you expect that churches we pray for people so we pray for people we pray for people all the time and we got prayer going around this place all the time so we, we worship we pray they would expect a sermon and they would expect that sermon to be based on something, which is, in our case is the Word of God, the Bible. So, so we, we do things that are, yes, they're glorifying God, but yeah, we want it to be understandable. Like the Word says, it says you got to have the Word of the kingdom, but it's got to be understandable so that the enemy doesn't just snatch away the thing. But here's the thing. If you're a Christian and a believer, you can find yourself in the same situation where the Word is being preached and taught both in Sunday morning and, and in a small group. And you can find yourself in a place where you're not understanding it, where you're not applying it because the ground in your heart is hard and you're just kind of letting it sit on the surface and the enemy will steal that from you. The enemy will steal that from you. Some of you are sitting here today thinking like, I don't know if I'm gonna tell my neighbors about Jesus. I'm not sure. Listen, let me pastor you for a minute and say that's kind of your primary purpose here. God didn't save you so that you would just sit on the back row of church and just kind of like chill. Like, like, you think it's this chair, you know, the camp chair, you know, you know, when you go camping, and once everything's set up, you're just like, this is nice, I'm just gonna chill, you just do, pastor, you're doing good, bro, just, just keep it going, man, you guys around here are great, like, that's, man, I, I love the music, whoo, the, the lights, the lights are fire, all the haze and the, and the beams in there. It's so pretty. It's like, it's like modern stained glass windows. Yeah, that's right. It is. It's like stained glass windows for this, right? You know, and so it's like, yeah, absolutely. Oh, man, you know those greeters. Man, that coffee, woo, got me going this morning. You guys just keep doing what you're doing. I'm, I'm loving what you're doing. You guys are great. Listen, the camp chair isn't a place in church. It's, this is not, right? Listen, if you have a hard heart, you can end up in a place in a camp chair where you're sitting back enjoying everything and being like, yeah, that sounds great. That sounds great. You can become a little apathetic, a little lazy maybe. You can become a little bit like, yeah, you guys are doing a good job. It's funny, people will come up to me and like, wow, pastor, you got a great church here. Like, Thanks. Aren't you part of it? You know? Don't, isn't it something like, we got a good church here? You know, it's, it's, not, it's not just me. It's, it's you too, right? It's, it's you. There, there's a transition that happens in people's languages when <coughs> when, when it goes from... Pastor, you got a good church, too. We got a good church. I listen for that. People are like, oh, you, you got a good church. No, we got a good church. When I hear the we got a good church, I know that you're taking ownership. I know that this church is, is yours, too. You know, another, another obstacle to growth here is, is, is the shallow soil. In verse 20, you know, they, they, asked, they asked this, as for what? Was sown on rocky ground. This is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself. He endures for a while, but then when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. So crops can start in rocky soil. In fact, in, in those times, they, they had limestone in, in the area, in the, in, in the hilly area, and the, the soil the topsoil would get on top of those limestones, but it was kind of a, a thin topsoil. And so it was rocky, and it couldn't get, you know, it really impeded the growth. It's kind of like our zero escapes yards around here. You know, like, 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 I don't know about you, but I got rocks in my, in my backyard. I got some rocks in my front yard. And, and uh, you know, what happened to the yards, right? But it's all right. We're saving the water. We live in the desert. And, and what they do is they, they put the, the, the barrier down, the weed barrier down. And it's like a plastic or a mesh or something they put down. It prevents the weeds from growing up through. And then, and then they put the gravel on top of it. And the first year, it's fantastic. Yeah, you all know. The first year you put it in, there ain't no weeds. It's good. You're number two. <coughs> you might have one or two. What happens is that after a while, just enough dirt gets between the rocks, because it's dirty and windy around here, between the rocks and the weed barrier, there's just enough soil that the weed can start to exist. It's kind of like the rocky ground. There's just a thin layer of soil that's there. And so when you go to pull that weed, what happens is, is you start to see it growing up. But when you go out there and pull it, it's actually pretty easy just to lift it right out because there's, it doesn't... When it gets past the weed barrier, that's a whole other story. It gets more difficult because now you got the thing going through the weed barrier. But but if you have it in the rocky soil with just that thin layer of dirt, it starts to grow. But you can go and just pluck them out real fast and real easy because if that's what happens in, in the rocky soil, that's what happens in, in our life. Is that in the rocky soil in our heart? Is that the word lands and it starts to sprout? But as soon as any kind of obstacle comes along, as soon as something comes, starts to pull on it at all, it just comes right out. It doesn't take a real good. Rooting. It doesn't doesn't get rooted in the right way. Crops can start to grow in the rocky soil, but they don't last because it impedes the growth. You see, some may never see change. They They may never see growth. Because the instrument of growth does not penetrate into the deep parts of your heart and it only touches the superficial aspects of your need. See, the illusion of change occurs rapidly, but it fades when the pressure is back on. The goal goes unmet. The bad habit returns, we lose heart. You can't let your heart be filled with the rocks. You've got to keep your soil in the good place, your heart in the good place, so when the word comes, you're able to let it grow deep into your life, let it go deep into your, into your heart. The third type, third type of soil is, is this, is the, the thorny soil verse twenty two as for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word and the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and provide and it proves unfruitful. so the seeds have to fight through the thorns for nutrients, and the thorns choke them out. You know, I like to think of the thorns as worries and hardships, maybe addictions, maybe maybe problems like that, but that that kind of isn't what Jesus is saying here right he's He's saying that The cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches are the ones that choke out the word. The thorns aren't necessarily the bad things in your life. The thorns can be the good things in your life that have just grown out of control. That they've they've, they've taken priority. You see, the comforts of life can actually choke out spiritual growth. Being comfortable can choke out spiritual growth. I wish I'd brought a lazy boy up here to illustrate this kind of a chair, I just don't have a lazy boy, and and I thought I'd bring one out here and show you that, that a lazy boy, you kick back, you put your feet up, and 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 the laziness or the the cares of this world, the comforts of life, can grow to a place where it chokes out spiritual growth. Why? Because because you're content where you're at. Because you're content where you're at. <coughs> Some of the things that that just they take energy that that. Maybe you're investing into energy, into areas that, that aren't really fruitful in the long term. I mean, I, I get it. Like, kids are in athletics. My, my kids are signed up for stuff. They're in band. They're in doing different gymnastics. They're doing different things. It happens. Kids get into club club sports, and, and, you, and you start to, to pour all kinds of money and energy and time and resource into this thing. And, and I know every parent's like, but well, my kid's going to get a scholarship. Sure they are. I hope they do, right? And, and it's, but you start to in, investing all this time. But don't do that in, at the expense of spiritual growth, right? Invest in your kid's spiritual growth as well. You got to do both. You can't just in, invest in, in, in the natural place, because guess what? In a few years when they don't have that scholarship, but they're far from God because you didn't take any time to invest in, in your kid's spiritual growth. Like, you, you, you can't let the cares of this world start to pull you away from the things in life. I'm not against kid stuff, by the way. I'm just against investing more into your kids' activities and their spiritual growth. Because, I mean, honestly, there's nothing like activities that help your kids discover their God-given gifts and talents. It helps them develop it. You know, and it helps them to, so I, I don't, it's not evil. It's definitely not evil. It's definitely not wrong. It's something that I, 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 would, I think every kid needs, activities. Well, how about this one? <coughs> Football on Sundays. Pastor, I can't be there this week because, you know, my team's playing. Listen, I'm a diehard Broncos fan. That's right. There's like, yeah, that's right. My Broncos fans are here. I'm a diehard Broncos fan, you know. And, and, uh, and I, I mean, I, lo- I love the Broncos, right? And I understand this. Guess what? I, I miss a bunch of their games live. I actually have this thing called a DVR. Um, the internet's pretty cool. Uh, you can actually record the games and watch them a little bit later if you wanted to, um, so you don't have to um, miss both things in your life. Uh, but but I'm telling you that, that I'm am I'm a, I'm a diehard Broncos fan. Even when between you know between John Elway and Peyton Manning years, you know that whole like restructuring time, you know. And then Peyton Manning until now, again, we're restructuring, you know. <coughs> I'm still cheering for him the whole way through. Listen, football can't be one of those things that takes you away from God. It can't be one of those things that just replaces. You know what I mean? You, you, can, you can do both. You can invest in both. Don't, don't prioritize something that is temporary. I mean, I, I play fantasy football. That's how hardcore I am, right? How many fanny, Any fantasy football players in there? Yeah, yeah, we got fantasy football. Is that right? Absolutely. We're, y'all going down if you're on my team or in my, in my league. Listen, we just can't let the cares of this life pull us away from our commitment to faith. That's what it comes down to is we can't let the cares of this life pull us away. I'm not saying the cares of this life are bad. I'm just saying that you can't let them pull you away from your faith. Your faith has to be in priority over the cares of this world. The Bible says that where your treasure is your heart is. So so where are you putting your resources? We all have time, we all have talent, and we all have treasure. We all have those three things that we can invest. Where where is it at? Where where are you investing? Where are you pouring your life into? You know, I want to go on record and say that I want you to be as wildly successful as possible in your life. I absolutely do. John Wesley said this. He says, go earn all the money that you can, save all you can, and give all you can. I want you to go earn as much money as you can in work and career. I want you to be successful in every endeavor that you do. I want you to be able to save as much as you can and be as generous as you possibly can with all of your resources. I don't think money isn't evil. The, 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 root, of, the root of all evil is just when you're chasing money, when you're trying to let that money be something that, that is something that drives you, that, that, that tries to fulfill you, because it won't. It just won't fulfill you. All it does is amplify you. When you, when you achieve more income and you have more money, all it does is amplify what your tendencies are. Which is, which is why you see people get a massive influx of cash and their whole life gets train wrecked. Because all that is amplify who they are. It gives you the freedom and the power to actually exercise what's actually in your heart. And so if you, if you work on your heart, get that right. When the money comes, you're able to do the right things with it. So here we go. Three marks of a mature believer. And we're going to wrap up. In fact, if the band would come, they can get set up now. Three marks of a mature believer. Number one is Be planted. <coughs> if you're a mature believer, you're going to be planted. If you're going to be moving around, my hope is that everyone move to around to, to chair number 3. You got to be planted. You got to be committed somewhere. You got got to be you got to be tied down somewhere. There's got to be some you got to be a house. Listen, if you're not going to be committed to this church, get committed to one church. Right? You got to be committed to a church and investing in and in where are you going to be going? Like find that place and be committed and be planted. If this isn't it, okay. Get committed somewhere, because that's what God wants for you as a mature believer. Be committed to a house that you're going to be in. Number two is, is to be rooted, to get connected. Listen, if you're going to be rooted in this place, you got to have relationships in this place. Not just superficial, hey brother, how you doing on Sunday relationships. you got to build some serious relationships. You get planted where you're at, get, get, get rooted where you're at. Go join a small group, and you will find yourself make, building those deeper relationships to do it, listen. If if you're if you're a believer, that's it. And then and number three was be fruitful. Number one is be planted. Be number two is be rooted. Number three is be be fruitful. You got to have some sort of export coming out of your life. Here's what we here's what I want for everyone that's part of our church. It's it's pretty simple. It's we all we do is Sunday mornings in small groups because I I believe that if we occupy all of your time all during the week, you don't have time to go. You don't have time to reach new people. You don't have time to, to go evangelize and to go talk to other people. We should be in the community, in the world, right? And, and making a difference and a change. And, and so, so here's what I want, every, everyone from every, everybody. I want you to serve one time a month. If you're not volunteering somewhere, if you're not serving somewhere once a month in the church, I'm not sure if you are all the way over in chair number three. This is what it requires to be all the way over in chair number three, is, is that is that you gotta be planted, committed, and fruitful. You gotta find a way to be, making a difference. So serve somewhere once a month. In fact, if everybody were to serve somewhere once a month in the church, the, the load of the church is very light because then we're all sharing it equally. Now our church is pretty fantastic at this because we've been talking about this for a couple of years now. Everybody serves once a month somewhere. You know, the standard church, they say like 10% of the people are doing 90% of the work. They, 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 most of the church, the congregation is in the stands and they're watching the players play on the field. That, that isn't the church that I read about in the Bible. The church I read about in the Bible is everybody's on the field playing. And so it, I wanna encourage you if, you, if you are looking for a way to grow in your, in your spiritual walk, find a way to serve. Because when you start to serve, you'll start to find a way that now you're in the game, you're on the field, you're making a difference, you're having fruit, you're having impact into people's life. The second, the second thing is I want everyone to join a small group. Because when you join a small group, you get connected and You get rooted. If you join a small group and you're serving somewhere, guess what? Your path towards spiritual growth is gonna be accelerated because those are the things that, that all through the Bible, you see those two patterns everywhere. So find a place to serve and find a place, find a small group to join and you will start to see your spiritual growth start to go through the roof. I'm telling you, when you start to grow spiritually, you start to think, see things happening and changing in your life. And I got these extra chairs and I, I briefly talked about it. But these other chairs try to creep into the picture. And I don't think they belong. And the first one is this is the camping chair. Camping out. Y'all doing a good job. Keep it up. Your church is great, Pastor. Listen, that 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 chair doesn't really exist because it doesn't pull up to the table. And last week I talked about the high chair, the I chair, the me, 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 my chair. And, and remember last week, I jumped up in this thing. And, and I started saying, like, well, this is what the baby does, right? The baby says, I'm hungry. Feed me. Feed me. Ah, and they start crying. And, and, and the baby needs to be fed, need to have their diaper changed. And, and, and listen, when, when we slip into the high chair moments, we, just, we have to recognize what it is, right? We have to recognize that it's just time for a diaper change. But, but we all do it. But when you find yourself in the high chair moment saying, I'm not being fed, my needs aren't being met. Listen, you, you've, you've slipped away from the table and you've started to slip in the high chair moment. That, that, that chair is something that occasionally people will slip into, but you gotta get out of it and you gotta get back to the table. We all have our moments. We, we camp out for a little bit. Listen, if we slip into the camping chair, get back out, don't stay there. If you slip into the high chair, get back out, don't stay there. And the last one is this. Mature believers, the rocking chair is something that can creep in too. You see, in the rocking chair we can get to this place where we're like, well, I did my time. You know, I, I I used to lead a small group and I got I just got to, I'm going to make room for the young kids, that, you know, they they got to make room for the next generation, yeah. You know, I paid my dues, I did my time, I served you. Listen, God isn't done with you yet though. God isn't done with you yet. Yeah, I, yeah, you but but they need you. Maybe you don't see that. But if you're in the rocking chair and you're just hanging out and you're just like, I'm, I'm good. I, I did my time. I, I paid my dues. I, I served. I, I did my thing. I led a small group. I used to volunteer. I used to do this. But, but now and it's like, you know, I've been part of this church for 20 years. And, you know, now it's, it's just for the next generation's time. No, 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 no. Church, we need you. Back here in the mature chair, we need you. And here's what we need you. We need you to not be, be lost in retirement. We need you to be back here at this chair. We need you to be helping us. Because you know why we have a world that's dying and literally dying and going to hell. There's chair one people all around this city and they need you. I need you. This church needs you. Jesus needs you back in the game. You can't go back to the rocking chair. You you've got to get back out. He isn't done with you. Your time isn't over. God has invested and built your life to this place, to this time for this season for a reason. So that you can be investing in the next generation. We are a church of all ages reaching the next generation all ages we're going from the camping chair to the high chair to the rocking chair but we need everybody in these chairs at the table making a difference making a difference church God's doing something in our midst he's changing something in our church and it's time for us to change with it let's not let this time pass us by God is up to something Let us jump on what the movement that he's doing in our church, the momentum that's happening. Let us start to take the steps of change that are necessary so that we don't miss it. I don't want to watch God's movement walk through us and past us and us be stuck in the same place. It's time for us to start reaching for the next generation. It's time for us to get out of our alternate chairs, get back to the chair, and back to the table, where we can make a difference. We can step into what God's calling us to do to reach those who are far from Him. Will you bow your heads? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the opportunity to serve your kingdom. God, I thank you for the opportunity that you bring the bread of life. God, that that, that you <coughs> bring everything that, that we need. God, I just I ask that you would help every one of us to to change, God, to be able to, to move with with what you've asked us to, to change. God, that you that you would help us to reach those who are far from you. God, as we look at our chairs and analyze our life, God, I ask that you would help us to be able to to move into the right chairs, God. Help us to grow spiritually. Help us all to move our way over to the mature chair so that we continue to reach those who are far from you. As we're here this morning, I told you in the beginning, if you're a chair one person, I wanna give you the opportunity to make a decision to follow Jesus. Today can be your day. Right here, right now, nobody's looking around. I don't want to make a spectacle of you. I just want to help you. And if you, today's the day and you say, you know what? I've been sitting in chair one. Maybe you've been part of church all your life and you just never made the decision to step over that line. Right here today. If you, today's the day you're going to make that decision. Take that step. Chair one to chair two. You say, today's the day. If that's where you're at, We you just kind of look at me, put your hand in the air and say, yeah, that's me. That's where I'm at. Let's do that hand. Any else? Amen, amen. Our church, here's what we're gonna do. We're all gonna pray this prayer together and we're gonna support those that are making this decision. So you're just gonna repeat after me. And, uh, and, and if you're making this decision in your life today, I want you to pray with us um, and, and uh, just mean it from the bottom of your heart. So here we go. Dear Jesus, today I give my life to you. I accept that you are who you said you are. I choose to make you the Lord of my life Help me to follow you all of my days. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. Church, come on, let's celebrate those who made a decision today. And, and uh, if you made that decision, we just text in this word. It's uh, decided to be on the screen. You can text in the word that decided and help us to give us the information so we can help follow up with you so we can help you make the right next steps in your life we appreciate it And if you're a guest with us i forgot to even say this if you're a guest with us you can text in or online giving you can text in as well um, or there's drop boxes where you can give with checks or, or cash I forgot about that part right and so anyhow church let's stand let's sing one last song before we leave
1: of a great